Today, we're tackling the issue of, I know my middle and high school students need to learn how to write so they'll be prepared for college and for work beyond school, etc., etc. I know that's important, but exactly how do I go about doing that? That's what I'm going to talk to you about today. And I'm going to tackle this not in an abstract philosophical way, giving you methods and just theories about how to teach writing, but I'm going to give you specific things that you can do right now today, if you want to, that will set up your writing class for this year and beyond. And they're not hard either. You don't need to be an expert writer yourself to implement them. Just a parent who cares enough to be thoughtful about the process, which I'm guessing you are, or you wouldn't be here listening. So let's get started. I'm Ruth Wen, homeschool mom and educator, I've taught English and writing in so many different classrooms over the years, public school, private school, college, homeschool co-ops, and my own kids too. Did I mention them? So I've learned a thing or two about what works and what doesn't work. I created the Homeschool Writing and Then Some podcast to give busy homeschoolers simple, step-by-step, time-saving strategies that you can use in your own homeschool classroom. Do you have a middle schooler who's still writing in enormous chunks with no clue about paragraphing or a high schooler whose essays read like text messages? If so, don't despair. Help is on the way. This is homeschool writing and then some. I think the question that I get asked most often is how do I teach writing to my kids once they're in middle school or high school? In other words, once they are beyond elementary school, and you're starting to think about their future, um, going to college, what that looks like, and that they're going to need to know how to write. So the question is, where do I begin? And I get that. I've been there. I had children who struggled with writing, and I struggled with knowing how to teach them writing. Tried a lot of different programs before I decided to trust myself and what I knew and approach it that way. So I have um, three kids. I have two boys who are in college now. My oldest son is mostly done with college. He's about to graduate. He's he's heading to grad school, so he's not really done yet. And then my middle child, who is 19, is getting ready to uh, go to college. He's, he's done a class here or there as a dual enrolled high school student, but he just graduated from high school, and so he's getting ready to have his first real college semester. And then my daughter, uh, she is going into 11th grade, and she took AP English last year as a 10th grader. She's she's pretty advanced, and she really likes she likes English and reading. Um, and she did really well on her test. She just got her scores back. So we're happy about that. So I tell you this not to brag about my kids, although I am happy that they're doing well, but to let you know that um, it is possible to figure it out, and I'm going to help you do that today. I have one friend who, as soon as her daughter hit high school, found her a writing tutor. She's like, no, I can't write very well, so how can I possibly teach my child to write? And that's fine, but tutors are expensive, and often we're on budgets, tight budgets, and sometimes it's just hard to find a good tutor. I mean, it's kind of hit or miss, even with online programs. Maybe I should say especially with online programs. So I believe that 
anyone with a little bit of coaching can help their kids learn to write successfully. And I can hear you now, the arguments, the pushback on that, saying, wait, you don't understand. I'm a horrible writer. I'm so bad at grammar, and I don't know how to use commas. And see, that's the first mistake that people make, thinking that writing is all about grammar and punctuation. Flashing back to the red-inked papers that your ninth-grade English teacher handed back to you. But... I'm here to tell you that the heart of writing is being able to communicate ideas clearly. So even though your teenager may think that they know more than you do, you are actually way smarter than they are. You have far more sophisticated reasoning and organizational skills now than you had when you were back in high school trying to write five paragraph essays. You are more than qualified to help your child reason through ideas and arrange them in a way that communicates clearly. And that's what writing does. It presents good ideas in an organized way. Trust me, you are capable of helping your child learn to write. So how do you go about teaching writing in a step-by-step tactical way? So that's what this episode and the next several episodes are about. I'm going to give you five steps for setting up your writing classroom. And we're going to talk about the first one today. Where you start depends on your child's ability and confidence. Most people I talk to who are struggling to implement writing in their homeschools have students who are resistant to writing. Say, my child doesn't like to write. I can't get my child to write. I talked to one mom recently who had just pulled her seventh grader out of public school and was homeschooling for the first time. And she was so frustrated because her son was taking so long to write down even simple sentence answers because he was so worried about getting every word exactly right. The fear of making a mistake paralyzed his ability to write. And I've seen that over and over again, even with my own kids, uh, because I can remember that in my zeal to help them use correct spelling and grammar back when they were in elementary school, I would mark every mistake that I found in their writing. And my thought was that if they see what they're doing wrong, they'll try harder next time. But that's not what happened. Instead, they got discouraged and less willing to take risks and explore ideas. And they come to believe that what characterizes good writing is that it doesn't have any mistakes, that it's about the form rather than the quality of ideas. And that's not really what good writing is about. You want the ideas to get the preferential treatment. It's not that the form is unimportant. It just shouldn't be the most important thing. The best way to help students gain confidence as writers is with a structured journal. I'm going to explain in detail what that is in just a minute, but let me just say first that I have seen this approach work wonders with kids who dislike writing, as well as with those who don't have much experience with writing. Because, you know, maybe you haven't been having your student write much at all because you didn't know how to do it, meaning you didn't know how to teach writing. And now they're getting older and you know they need to have better writing skills, so you're you're getting serious about it now. And I say start here with a structured journal. It's super easy for you as their teacher to implement, which I know we are all so short on time, so you want something that's easy. And it also gives students a place to practice writing in a stress-free way. I read somewhere that learning to write is as hard as learning a foreign language or learning to play an instrument. Did you hear that? That's pretty hard. You don't just take two piano lessons and become a master. 
takes years and years of dedicated practice. And writing is like that too. You have to practice it to get better at it. And the more you do it, the better you get. And the better you get, the more confident you are to do it. So if you haven't been requiring your students to write, you need to start doing it. They need the practice of combining words into sentences and sentences into paragraphs. So let me tell you about structured journals. But before I do, I want to mention that uh, in the show notes, you can get access to the free PDF download for your um, journal writing called the Journal Writing Guide, and it will go through all the steps and it will give you a month's worth of writing prompts, which you'll know what those are when I finish explaining structured journals. But just know that that resource is available to you for free to download. Several years ago, one of the moms in my co-op suggested that I require students to keep a journal. And I got to tell you, I was a little bit hesitant about that because I remembered my own experience with journal writing in high school. It was in a creative writing class where we were supposed to make regular entries in a journal that was collected several times throughout the semester. The guidelines for it were vague, to say the least. There were no set number of entries. It was choose your own topics. The freedom, I think, was supposed to inspire creativity, but it had the opposite effect for me. It resulted in paralysis with me barely writing anything until you guessed it you know, a day or maybe two days before the dreaded due date. And then, of course, I was in a panic and I would scribble furiously whatever random thoughts came to mind, uh, thinking that that somehow would be creative, you know, stream of consciousness. And I'm sure my teacher wasn't fooled for one minute by, you know, the various colors of ink I used or trying to modify my handwriting so it looked like I had made entries at different times instead of one midnight rush. So my own experience with journal writing, to say the least, was not very successful. However, since then, I've discovered that it is possible for journal writing to be an extremely effective tool, especially with students who struggle with writing. But it has to be set up with clear boundaries and guidelines. That is the caveat. You can't just hand a notebook to your child and say, hey, go keep a journal. It has to be set up with guidelines. Journals are powerful tools. They provide students with the opportunity to practice writing frequently in a low-pressure environment, and that's how you build confident writers. Uh, And practice, as I've already said, leads to improvement. Okay, so I developed a journal writing plan, and the goal of this plan was really very simple. It was to help students develop a habit of writing. And this plan is suitable for students who have no experience or limited experience with writing. So if you've like really dropped the ball and you haven't done much writing at all, it's okay. You start here. Uh, It's also fine for students who dislike writing. Uh, It's actually really good for that. And especially for those who dislike it because they are uncertain or they're afraid to write. You know, maybe they've been criticized or they just don't like to do new things and writing is a new thing. But it also works works for experienced writers who are looking for a less structured environment to hone their skills. So I've, I've seen this work with students at all skill levels, and overall, it has been extremely successful. So you want to plan to do this for about four weeks. So that's the duration of this structured writing. You can, you can carry it beyond that, but I say start with four weeks. So the first four weeks of your school year or whenever you decide to implement this, 
uh, is going to be devoted to structured journal. That will be the writing for that month. Okay, so they don't need much at all for this. They need a notebook, composition book works great, or even just a binder or folder with notebook paper. Okay, but I would say it's a dedicated place for keeping a journal. Don't make it part of, you know, the science notebook or the history notebook. Try to make it, you know, its own special place for journal writing. And then they need something to write with. I recommend pen because it discourages erasing all the time. So we're not we're not trying to create beautiful pieces of prose here. We are just trying to get them practicing. And if they're erasing all the time, that's really slowing them down, slowing down their thinking. Uh, so I just say stick with pens if possible, unless you have a really good reason for wanting them to write in pencil. So the frequency of this notebook or of keeping this journal is going to be three times a week. So you could do that three days in a row. You could do every other day. But I do want to encourage you to have them write on three different days rather than do multiple entries on the same day. So the directions for this tell students that they're going to be writing journal entries for the next four weeks. Okay, so here are the guidelines for these entries. And remember, this is all in the journal writing guide that the PDF that you can download. So in case you're not able to get this all down right now, if you're driving or whatever, you can get the, the download, you can get the PDF download uh, at the end and be able to see uh, this guide. Okay, so here are the guidelines. Write each entry on a separate page. Put the date at the top of each entry. Each entry needs to be at least 100 words. It can be longer, but it needs to be at least 100 words. As I've already said, there should be three entries per week. They can choose their own topic to write about, or they can select one of the writing prompts as their topic. But at least one entry each week should be based on one of the prompts. And I'll say more about that in a minute why and why that's the case. So when I first did this, well, let me let me just talk about the writing prompts, okay? When I first did this, I told students that they could write on whatever they wanted to or that they could choose one of the prompts from the list that I handed them and write about that. Okay, so this was my way of addressing the real difficulty of not knowing what to write about, which always comes up and is a legitimate concern. You know, you say to your child, go write a journal entry, and they say, what am I supposed to write about? Okay, so that question almost always comes up. Okay, so when I first, the first year I did journals, I said, I anticipated that that was going to be a problem. And so I did my research ahead of time and I went online and I found a list of journal prompts, a huge list, in fact, from a website called Journal Buddies. Uh, I think it's still up and running and you could find it's a good resource if you're looking for journal prompts beyond what I'm going to give you here. So it has thousands of prompts for all different ages. And so what I did was I culled through the list that I found there and I selected the prompts that I thought were suitable for my group. There were about 60 different uh, prompts on the list that I handed them. So six zero, that's a lot of prompts, right? And the reason it was is because I was trying to give them plenty to get started with. And we even read through the list together so they could get a sense of the possibilities and overall, students were positive about the prospect of keeping a journal and seemed confident that they would be able to complete the task. So when the next class meeting rolled around, the first thing I did was go around and um, check to make sure that students had done their journal entries. And I did have to warn at least one student that showing up with an incomplete journal was unacceptable. And that was the last time for a while that people came to class unprepared. 
However, as the year wore on, I became less vigilant about checking for entries, and some students started skipping the assignment occasionally. Okay, so that was that was my my fault for not being vigilant. If I had been vigilant and checking, they probably would have done a better job of keeping up. So I learned that. All right. So after I checked to make sure that their entries were complete, I would then ask for volunteers to read their entries. And I was really surprised that everyone wanted to share. And some students um, even wanted to read both the entries. I I was having them do two at the time. Uh, The class enjoyed listening to the other entries, to the other people read their entries. Um, If someone didn't volunteer to read, I asked them to give me a sentence long summary of their topics. For example, a student might say, I wrote about my dog and the fight I had with my brother. Okay, so just giving me a sense of what they what they wrote about. So the enthusiasm for sharing entries lasted about a month and then gradually people stopped volunteering. And when I asked why they didn't want to share, students said that they couldn't think of anything good to write about. And you can imagine what my response was, right? But what about all those prompts I gave you? And the answer I usually got was something along the lines of, I didn't like any of those prompts or those prompts weren't very good. For a while, I was willing to blame their lack of inspiration on the poor prompts. But then I got wise about that because I got around to reexamining the prompts and I realized there was nothing wrong with them. In fact, they were great prompts. The real problem I concluded after thinking about it for a while was that I had given students too many prompts from which to choose. Most students were unwilling to read through a long list of prompts to figure out what they wanted to write about. My son at the time, my son who was, I can't, I think he's probably in 10th grade at the time. He had a policy and he probably still does actually of not reading even one extra word that he doesn't have to. And of course, he was not going to read through a mega long list of prompts. So he was paralyzed right from the start. And even the students who were willing to read the list found themselves crippled by too many choices. So the problem of what to write about had not actually been solved. So one week after a particularly lackluster showing of journal entries, I announced to the class that I was assigning topics for the next week. I picked two prompts from the list that I thought would be inspirational, and I was not disappointed. The following week, I had plenty of volunteers wanting to share their entries. So the key had been to limit the options. Okay, so the reason I gave you this history is I wanted you to see that I had tried just handing out a big list. And in my experience, that does not work. It needs to be limited. And so I assign students prompts, but I I give them a choice. And the prompts are organized to promote different kinds of writing. So for example, the prompts that they have for week one, and you'll have a list of the prompts that's included in the journal writing guide, okay? So for week one, the prompts are asking for descriptive writing. Okay, now you don't need to, the the kids don't have to know that they're doing descriptive writing. I mean, you can tell them if you want to, but it's not important that they know that. But I'm telling you that they're organized to promote different types of writing that students need to learn how to do. Okay, so the first week focuses on descriptive writing. The second week focuses on narrative writing, which is some kind of storytelling or recounting something. The third week is expository, which means it's informational or explaining something. And then the fourth week is persuasive writing or argument. So for example, um, the writing prompts for week one, which focus on description, 
are describe your favorite vacation spot, describe your grandpa or another relative, describe an interesting insect or reptile. Okay, so what I would have students do is they could write on all three of these, and that's their three entries for the week. They're done. Or I would have them, I would require them to choose one of them for an entry. Okay, so they could do two entries on whatever they want to do. They pick 100 words, write about, you know, what their day was like or anything, any topic that they want to write about, what their, how their soccer game went, for example. Okay, so they can write about anything they want, but they have to do one of the three entries on one of these prop, uh, one of these prompts. Okay, so I hope that makes sense. Okay, so for uh, week two, which is narrative writing, discuss an interesting story from your parents' childhood. Retell your favorite fairy tale or Bible story. Tell about a day in the life of your pet, real or imagined. Okay, so you can see these are not difficult prompts. The idea is to get them going and give them ideas so that they can write a nice paragraph uh, of about 100 words. Okay, it gives them information, gives them a starting place to write. And then for week three, which is expository or informational or explanatory writing, uh, the prompts are a book worth reading is, and then they pick one and they explain why. And beach or mountains, which do you prefer and why? So that's like, that's kind of a comparison contrast. Okay. Again, you don't need to tell them that, but that's what they're doing. A job I would not want to have is, and explain why. Okay, and then for week four, this is the persuasive writing. Is procrastination ever a good thing? Discuss the positives and negatives. Do you consider yourself an optimist, someone who sees the glass as half full, or a pessimist, someone who sees the glass as half empty? Give evidence. And then the third prompt, do you think it is important to make your bed every day? Why or why not? Okay, so this will promote persuasive writing. Okay, so each week it's focused on a different type of writing. So that's why I say require them to do one of the prompts for each week so that they can practice a specific type of writing. Okay, but they can do more. They can use all three of them if they want. If they're just like, I can't think of anything to write about, then they have a prompt that they could use. So let me give you some information now on how to evaluate these or assess them. Okay, so the first thing you want to let students know is that you're not going to be reading their journals unless you want them, unless they want you to read them. And please honor that agreement. Okay, remember, this is supposed to create a stress-free writing environment. All right, so don't read their journals. Respect that. However, you should also let them know that you will be checking the journal entries for completion and that you may ask them to summarize their entries out loud or read a sentence or two out loud. And you might even count the words if their entries seem too short. Checking the journals each week only takes a minute, and it provides valuable accountability for your students. So don't skip that, okay? They will do it if they know that you're going to check it. Remember, the goal is to get them in the habit of writing, and you can help them to form this habit by regularly checking their progress. Now, you might have been wondering if you can use this kind of journal writing if you have just one student, because I've been talking about a class of students. Absolutely. You only need to make a couple of adjustments if you have one child that you're using it for. 
First, I think it's a good policy to check the journal entries only for completion rather than reading the entries. Even if you just have one student, and I know you're dying to know what they're writing about, but respect that, just check it for completion. If they want to share it with you, that's fine, but make sure that that's voluntary because that's going to allow them to write freely without fear of your red pen. Even if it's not literal, they're going to think she's noticing my mistakes or of their privacy being violated. Just respect that. So at the end of the week, ask your child if she wants to share one or both of her entries. And if so, then she can read the entry to you. If not, ask her for a sentence summary and inform your student that at the end of each month, she will be required to select her favorite entry to read aloud to you. Now that obviously would be if you're using uh, the journal for more than one month. Okay, you may just decide that you only need a month of structured writing. Your child's already pretty good writer, already in the habit of writing. And so you just want to use the journal as a jumping off point. But if you're using it regularly, uh, pick one a month to share. Obviously, if she's already sharing her entries regularly, you can skip that step. Otherwise, it's good. um, It's a good way to make sure that the student is making sufficient effort to complete the journal assignments. And it's also just, it just, when you know you're going to be sharing something, you take extra care with it. I just want to remind you again that there is a free PDF download for the journal writing guide, what I just went over, that goes through all the steps and gives you a month's worth of writing prompts. So take advantage of that. And I hope that you will find it helpful and that it will be a good way to get your students writing. So back to the original question of how do I get my students to write? Step number one is start with a structured journal. This eases students into the habit of writing and you into the habit of assigning and assessing writing. After four weeks, students are most likely ready to transition into longer and more difficult assignments that you will read and assess. You can still keep doing journals too if you want to. I did that. I had my students keep journals for the entire year. And one way to do that is to um, continue to assign journal writing but reduce the number of weekly entries required. Make it just one or two instead of three. I've also found that students often enjoy uh, journal writing once they get into the habit of it. In fact, some write more than they're required to do. I know it seems like a dream, right? But it is true. Uh, So that is a possibility. Now, that may not happen to your child, but just know that perhaps it will. So that finishes up step one of how to set up your writing classroom. Hey, can you do me a big favor? If you found value in what you just heard, can you please leave me a review? And also, I would love it if you would subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're using. Obviously, since this is episode number one, I'm just getting started. And it would mean the world to me if you could let your friends know about this podcast, if you found value in it. Um, either on social or the old-fashioned way by word of mouth. I hope you got tons of value from this episode. Thanks so much for listening.